What's up, Young and Profiters? Today on Yap, we're replaying an interview I had on the Be Better podcast hosted by Donald C. Kelly. In this episode, we talk all about failure. Now, guys, I only play the best guest interviews that I've done. I do about two or three a week. And so this one's really good. We go into all my failures, like getting fired from Hot 97, MTV pulling the plug on my reality TV show right before it was supposed to air, and not getting an opportunity I wanted at Hewlett Packard, which ultimately led me to the biggest success of my life young and profiting podcast. I have to say, I'm super thankful for all my no's. Rejection can be a beautiful redirection. And I'm so happy I ended up where I am today. There's no one straight path to success, young and profiter. So without further ado, here's my interview with Donald C. Kelly on the Be Better podcast. How did you get started with the, you know, the industry you're in and the business? Because I know this had just happened overnight. Yeah, 100%. So I started my career in radio, in broadcasting. I worked at Hot 97 when I was 19 years old. I actually dropped out of college to intern for Angie Martinez, who is the voice (laughs) of New York. And so I was the associate producer of her show for three years, didn't get paid a dime and just worked at the studio every day. Yes. Even worked at nights on the weekends, you name it. I would host parties with the DJs and was this, you know, little rising star at Hot 97, they were priming me to be the next Angie Martinez. And so I would do commercials on the radio. I love that job. I really fell in love with radio. And at the same time, I would host online radio shows with the upcoming DJs on the side. That's the precursor of podcasts. So I used to have a radio show on alistradio.net, dtfradio.net, bottommusicradio.net. And I had these little music shows and with other girls and DJs from Hot 97 and would interview celebrities. And so that's when I first started figuring out that like I really liked this space. Now I do something totally different. I have a business podcast. It's way different, but it's the same transferable skill. So that's what, when I first fell in love with radio to answer your question. So with this idea, you built this empire, essentially. What made you desire... I mean, because you started doing, like you said, radio, you started going down this path. But I can, I know a lot of people who try to go down an entrepreneur path. And a lot of people listen to this episode today. They're thinking, you know, I want to do an entrepreneur. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be an influencer. I'd love to do that stuff. But I know it takes like, there's a, I would just hear, what did you do exactly to get to that point? So when you started a radio shows, how did that start, you know, making money from that stuff? Oh, it was such a long journey and such an up and down journey. Like this did not happen overnight. So just giving you the very high level milestones. So I interned at Hot 97 for three years. I ended up getting fired once I asked for a paying job, right? When I put my foot down and I was like, listen, I'm working literally more than 40 hours a week. I should get paid at least minimum wage. And they're like, goodbye, Hala, you're a a liability now. (laughs) And yes, so they fired me. And I was devastated because everybody knew I dropped out of school for this. So all my siblings were in med school. Like it was a really big deal on my family. And I had like chose Hot 97 over my family, basically. (laughs) And like I not not literally, but like, you know what I mean? Like I went against everyone's wishes. I was a black sheep of the family. And because I loved radio so much, but then they slapped me in the face when they fired me. And all of a sudden, my identity was shattered because I thought of myself as Hala from Hot 97. And I thought I was going to like the DJ stay there for 30 years. So I thought this was going to be my forever career and I was going to be the next Angie Martinez. Didn't happen that way. I had to start over from scratch, but I was used to rejection. I think 
we don't have time to cover that today. I don't think it's today's podcast, but <laughs> I'm Arabic. So like I grew up during 9-11. And so like I got rejected left and right when I was younger because people were racist essentially in my white yeah. town. And so I was really used to rejection at this point. So as soon as Hot 97 fired me, I got fired on a Thursday. By Sunday, I was working on my next idea. So I went back to college. But immediately after I got fired, I started this thing called the sorority of hip hop, strawberryblunt.com. And I ended up going on Twitter. I had amassed a Twitter following from Hot 97 and recruiting girls on Twitter and Craigslist. And two weeks later, I had 14 girls in my first board meeting for the sorority of hip hop. And I had girls from Def Jam and iHeart and VH1 that joined me. Yeah, all like young girls. And we started this blog site. I had been blogging for the DJs at Hot 97 and learned how to like do WordPress sites and stuff. And I figured out how to build a WordPress site, start a blog, taught the other girls. And we called it strawberryblunt.com, the sorority of hip hop.com. We had two different names. And we blew up within three months. We were one of the most popular hip hop and entertainment sites because I was very tech savvy and I kind of just mm-hmm. like figured things out. I figured out how to basically hack Twitter so that every time we wrote a blog, we would at mention a celebrity and there'd be like, you know, within two months or one month, I had 50 girls. So it'd be like 50 girls tweeting Drake. Drake would retweet us and we'd go viral. And so my podcast blew, sorry, my blog blew up. And it was just being really creative and scrappy and and basically saying like, no, I'm not going to get blackballed from this industry because then the same DJs who wouldn't pay me minimum wage, who I used to get coffee for and feed their meters and just be their little like grunt worker, they started paying me to host parties with them. And so I was hosting all these cool parties in the city, getting shouted out on the radio more than I worked there. Angie Martinez was trying to like be nice to me again. Everybody was just like, you know, I just like skipped over my role. You know what I mean? And just like became equals with the DJs at Hot 97. And so I did that for three years while I finished, you know, got my undergrad. I kept going, uh, working on strawberryblunt.com and the sorority of hip hop and MTV scouted us. So MTV scouted us three months after I launched. They did a very small pilot nothing happened, but I didn't care. I was like, well, it's just been three months. What's going to happen a year from now? Like, who cares? Let's keep going. But three years into it, I was kind of getting like itchy to be like, all right, I want my big break now. You know, I had, we were hosting parties, but there was 50 girls, so many mouths to feed. I didn't quite figure out how to monetize the blog. It was such, and it was very expensive to run. I used to have like multiple servers that I had to pay for and all this stuff to keep this blog up. And so I didn't like, I didn't, I was really young, first of all. So I didn't have the quite like the the right mindset or like financial acumen. I hadn't gotten my MBA yet. And so I was like just a young girl trying to figure out like this fame that like kind of dropped in my lap from me being tech savvy, right? And so anyway, MTV scouted us a second time. And this time around, they were like, this is just after Jersey Shore ended. They're like, we're going to make you a star. Like we signed paperwork. They signed six of the girls. We had to like go into the MTV office. They got us a studio on Broadway. They filmed us all summer. I was 25 years old about to be the next Snooki. And I was... <laughs> I was I'm going to so, tell my wife to listen to this episode now. <laughs> I was so excited. Like I thought yeah. I had made it. So think about it. It's, it basically was six years in the entertainment industry of barely getting paid. I would work yeah. like side social media jobs to like get money for the website. And like, so I was like always just like hustling to like keep everything afloat. And everybody like thought we were doing really well. But this whole industry, radio, hip hop, all smokes and mirrors. So. Finally, I thought I was going to make it. MTV was going to give me a big fat check every episode. We filmed this all summer. Like I said, got us a studio on Broadway. They must have invested, I I think, at least $300,000, if not more, into this pilot. 
And so I, I assumed everything was going to happen, you know? And so two weeks before we were supposed to air, the producer calls me and says, Hala, I'm so sorry. We're moving in another direction. We're not doing this. And they pulled the plug. So I was devastated. So this is now times two where a gatekeeper told me no after basically working for free three years, both times. So I was like, wow. oh my God, this is obviously not for me. And the shame I felt with my immigrant parents was insane because I was like, see, told you I'm going to be famous. It was all worth it. Like, you know, and like, <laughs> and they were getting proud of me too. And then I was like, oh my God, like I failed again. And by the way, I also was supposed to be the co-host on Sway in the Morning while I was working at Strawberry Blunt. Angie Martinez plugged me in with Sway in the Morning and I literally was his co-host for two weeks and then they fired. And so, so, so three times I got rejected from radio, satellite radio and TV. And I said, oh well, it looks like no one's going to open the door for this, you know, little Palestinian girl. And by the way, I was a smart girl. So I don't think like my work ethic or how smart I was had to do with me getting let go from any of these things. Was I a little like vain at the time and like thought I was hot shit? Yes. <laughs> so it's like, I think there was <laughs> some like things I had to learn, but I was a really ambitious, smart girl. So it wasn't like my smarts or anything like that. Who knows why they didn't pick me, but they didn't. Right. And so I found myself at the end of Strawberry Blunt getting rejected by MTV, just feeling like kind of hopeless and that I just wanted to be normal. I wanted to make my parents proud. I wanted to get more education. I felt like, how could I be successful myself and help 50 other girls become successful if I'm not even making enough money myself? If I'm not you know, young and profiting myself, how can I expect to help other people? So I decided that I was going to just quit this whole entertainment thing, put it behind me. I did really bad in my undergrad. So 2.3 mm. GPA. I was totally focused on sorority, you know, plays and hot 97. I dropped out of school temporarily. So terrible in my undergrad. So I had to do a lot of convincing to get into, I went and got my MBA. I literally had Where'd to beg NGIT, my alma mater. I could only go there. I, I ended up having to beg them, telling them my whole story. And then finally like, all right, we'll give you a shot. And I remember the, the director of, of the uh, executive MBA was like, Hala, like you can only stay if you get a 4.0. And I was like, she wasn't, it, that wasn't true, but she told me that. And so I was like, I'm going to do it. You know, like I got you. And I got a 4.0. I graduated number one in my class. And at the same time, I went and got an internship at Hewlett Packard. And that was my first like real corporate job. And I was getting paid 70K a year. And to me, that was a ton of money at the as time. As an intern. As an intern, getting Come my on. MBA. <laughs> That's great, right? Yeah. So I, so I was like, so thankful for this job because first of all, my resume looked absolutely crazy. You know, intern at Hot 97, you know, president of the sorority of hip hop. Like I thought I was going to be so behind everybody in corporate, but I was actually so much more technically advanced than everyone. And so I was like this little tech whiz kid in the marketing department and I got promoted left and right. Like I was an intern, like leading teams. I was president of the Young Employee Network. I became face of the young employees at Hewlett Packard. And I essentially like leveraged all I took as an entrepreneur and became an intrapreneur. And I really appreciate like, so this goes back to your original question. Mm -hmm. When you're like entrepreneurship, people are interested in this. Honestly, I don't think I would be a successful entrepreneur today had I not had a, a really great corporate experience at Hewlett Packard. I ended up working there for four years. I learned how to do PowerPoints. I learned how to do presentations. I learned how to be a professional, talk to professionals. 
convince the CEO to give me money to, you know, launch the summer picnic or whatever I needed to do like at HP. And it really helped me set me up for my future. And so I definitely recommend people to like get many experiences and you can jump into entrepreneurship and don't feel bad to have to go get a regular job and then jump back to entrepreneurship. So I ended up working at Hewlett Packard for four years. I like really leveled up in terms of like my job title there and basically ran the marketing department by the time I was like, you know, finished my tenure there. I was there for like almost five years. And my last year at, he- at Hewlett Packard, I decided to go back to my love of podcasting or broadcasting because podcasts didn't really exist before. No. So this was like five years ago. I started, I started Young and Profiting four and a half years ago. And so I remember just... I didn't get some internal opportunity that I wanted. That story doesn't matter. It's just I didn't get something that I wanted. And I thought, you know, I want to go back to my dreams. I want to not only be a voice for the, you know, 10,000 young employees at Hewlett Packard, I want to be a voice for all the young people. And I feel like I can finally give back. I'm finally young and profiting. Like I was making over six figures. I like was a little boss and I wanted to kind of share that with the world. (laughs) And I thought that I had all the knowledge to put on a podcast. I was like, I have audio editing experience. I've ran social media sites now for Fortune 50 companies. I did a thousand or 2000 blogs. I know how to write. I can graphic design. I can video edit. I'm just going to do this by myself, right? And I thought I was going to do it by myself because I was like, I don't want to have a big team again. That was so much drama. You know, 50 catty girls, never again. And so I thought I was going to do this by myself. But by episode two, I had my first volunteer. By episode eight, I had 10 volunteers in a Slack channel. They were all super fans that reached out to me on LinkedIn wanting to help me build the show. What? That is absolutely amazing. There's so many points I have here that I'm like, I need to... (laughs) (laughs) I know, I was like, let me pause. I've been talking for a while. (laughs) Feel free to, you don't have to run this 20. You could go longer if you want. This is fun. Hold tight, everyone. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who wanna try LinkedIn ads. You can get $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you wanna make B2B marketing everything it can be and get $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, are you dreaming about starting a course? Do you want to go from one to one to one to many and scale yourself? If you're thinking about starting a course, then you need to hear about Kajabi. 
Kajabi is the OG of course platforms. I've got creators in my network like Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield who have been using Kajabi for over a decade. These ladies know what they're doing. They are literally the course queens. And so I took a page from their playbook and I started using Kajabi. I've been playing around with it because I'm launching a podcast course next month and I need a lot of features that only a course platform would have like Kajabi. And they've thought of it all. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. One of the smartest things that I did when I launched my course is I focused on the content. I lasered in on that. I made sure people were getting the best investment they could, that I wouldn't get any refunds, that people would tell their friends, and my course would be successful by word of mouth. And I did that by focusing on my content, what I was good at, and not all the tech. Leave the tech stuff for your course to Kajabi. They are experts in that area and they've thought of everything that you would ever need for your course. So if you wanna start your course, now is your chance. As you guys may know, I always ask my sponsors for a free trial for any software that we talk about on the show. And Kajabi was super generous. They gave us a free 30-day trial that you can get at kajabi.com profiting. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash profiting. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash profiting. Go to kajabi.com slash profiting and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. My mom was like a hustler, immigrant family as well, right? And uh, one of the things that I, that I learn, especially in some of these industries, they're very male dominating. Yes. Um, and oh, I point. don't want to, but it's even beyond that, like just what you've accomplished as a business professional. And then with the challenges that come when I understand some of the, the challenges for, uh, you know, women in some of these male dominated industries and how you've been able to break through and to make that happen and to the things you've accomplished is just like, this is awesome. And I want everyone in our audience, like, you know, all the, the folks listening to just kind of, you know, feel the moment here of what you've done. And it's like, you know, sometimes people just get deflated when they lose out and miss out on opportunities. You just kept going. And I'm just like, dang it, man, I'm listening to this episode every day now. Allah going to get me pumped up every day. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. And it's um, funny because at the time, you know, I took a four year hiatus from my dreams to work yeah. in corporate, but I don't regret it because I learned so much. But at the time, I felt like yes. I was letting go of my dreams. But looking back, it all stacked up, all the skills stacked up, and I wouldn't be who I am, what I am. Had I not had that experience. So it's okay to kind of zigzag your way to the top. Yeah. I, that's what I want everybody to know. And I feel that's, and it's one of the things I wrote down the entrepreneur versus entrepreneur, because I think I had that, my route started off, I, I dabbled in some stuff in like college and, you know, and try to, you know, do some little hustle. But then I told myself, you know what, I'm going to go to, you know, go into work in a professional world. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to consider that as my MBA. Just like think about that in your mind. If you go for, because I was planning to go for one of the, you know, an, an MBA to one of the other schools. And I was like, you know, TSC becomes, I mean, if, if I, if a startup happens, that'll be my MBA or just go back for it. And mm -hmm. I went into a professional work world and exactly what you said, I learned how to present in those meetings. I learned how mm -hmm. to interact with like executives mm -hmm. and all of those things. It shaped me for when the opportunity came and the opportunity knocked and I decided to jump ship in 2015 for the, you know, and do this. But it's yeah. like what you're sharing and like, don't be afraid of ditching 
of changing course. And I think that's, it's so motivating to hear that. And it's, and, and it's also like insanity to keep trying the same thing. So I, I wasn't going to try that same thing again. Like, all right, like you obviously need to work on yourself, Hala, get more mm-hmm. educated, get more experience, work on yourself. And I never thought I would go back. So I don't like, you know, in hindsight, if I look back at who I was five, like, you know, when I first quit, you know, entertainment, I never thought I would get back on the mic. But I'm so thankful that I didn't think like, oh, you're too old for this or it's too late. Because I had a lot of people literally telling me that not even 30 years old, you're too old to start a podcast. Like, excuse me, you're never too old to start something new or go back to your dream. So that's another point, you know, like I'm so I always think about that. And like, I always want to like cry when I think about it, because I'm like, thank God you just did it. And you kept going even when you got had no results in the beginning. It took me two years to blow up, you know, and so like it was just slow and steady and then took off, you know. I think that's uh, another important part there. Two years, two years on a, you know, when we say two years, it sounds quick. But when you're doing that's 24 months of, you know, doing your thing and in and out of your craft and, and trying to make things happen. And I love how you mentioned like, you know, people, the community started to help out. You started to crowd source this thing, essentially, where people started to volunteer and help out with that. That's so powerful. And that's when you know you have like a a movement, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are behind you on that. Well, that transitioned. So this is a upgoing now, or I mean, I guess you're going up the hill of great things now. We, We had three failure, three situations. We went into Hewlett. We learned. We started this. It started to grow. Do you How want to know the it, difference of why yeah. this time it worked? Yeah. Because like, I owned it. It was me. There was no mm. gatekeeper anymore. Podcasting is amazing because you can be a famous podcaster and you don't need to be famous or rich. Can you right? say that again for the people in the back? <laughs> you don't need to be famous <laughs> or rich to do podcasting. If you really like really understand the industry, I'm not saying it's easy. It is not. It is not easy at all. But I had like figured out a little like niche for myself. I got onto this new media like five years ago. So like that was not in the very beginning. So I wasn't an early adopter like Jordan Harbinger or Lewis Howes, right? I was right Mm -hmm. in the middle, but I was still really innovative. Like it was very unique for like a young woman to be talking about business on a podcast. I also decided that I was going to promote myself on LinkedIn, which was like wide open for young professionals. And I became the biggest podcaster on LinkedIn. Then I leveraged that to grow my podcast. The LinkedIn blew up first, not my podcast. And then I leveraged that to blow up my podcast, which was my true dream. So it's just about being creative. It's all about these creative solutions and really going after it. Oh, I love it. I love this. Uh, We need to talk a little bit more after this too. Um, (laughs) uh, I have an idea I want to share with you. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And you probably have done it already. But let's continue the story on that side. You know, this worked because I owned it. It was you, no gatekeeper at this point. Like what happened next in that journey? Like how did that lead to where you are right now? Yeah. So, okay. So I had this team of volunteers, which enabled me to work young and profiting as a side hustle, right? Yeah. And so all the while I had a corporate job. So I was at Hewlett Packard, started the podcast. I think like eight months later, I got a job at Disney Streaming and started working the podcast. So from the very beginning, I was getting big guests, Okay. My first guest was Dr. Jack Schaefer, who was the author of The Like Switch and Dory Clark. And those were two huge authors at the time. My fifth guest was David Allen. My 23rd guest was Christopher Voss, who's like the world's number one negotiation expert. I was interviewing Robert Greene by my 40th episode, right? My 100th episode (laughs) was Matthew McConaughey. So I was interviewing celebrities from the start. 
But the reason why is because I was innovative in terms of the way that I reached out to them or whatever. We can get into that if you want to. But nonetheless, I was growing pretty fast. But at the end of the day, I was way more of a LinkedIn influencer than a podcast influencer in terms of my downloads at first. So I, you know, started realizing that Apple is not the only game in town. So I was always focused on like Apple, Apple. I want to be number one. And I would always push people to Apple. They'd say, I don't have an iPhone or, you know, I don't listen on Apple or I don't know how to listen to podcasts. And I started doing more research and really trying to figure out how I can get this nut to crack, right? And so I decided that I was going to reach out to every single podcast brand that I knew, every app, every recording software, hosting software, everything that I used for my own podcast, plus every platform. And I was like, hey, what's up? My name is Hala. I'm the biggest podcaster on LinkedIn. At the time, I had like 50,000 followers, 60,000 followers. I'm the biggest podcaster on LinkedIn. I'd love to collaborate. I'll do a post about your app in return of you writing a blog about me, in return of you featuring me on your website, in return of you posting me on your social media, in return of you promoting me in your app, right? So a lot of these people said yes, because it wasn't often that there was a podcaster from LinkedIn reaching out. And I was a big, like had a lot of engagement. So I started doing all these collabs. So CastBox sponsored me. And now I have 260,000 subscribers on CastBox and over 3 million downloads on that Big shout app out to alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? So CastBox sponsored me. Player FM sponsored me. And, you know, Good Pods, like all these different apps, Riverside.fm, like every app you can think of. I got sponsored in a blog post. And all of a sudden, I went from getting 3,000 to 5,000 downloads a month to like 10,000 downloads an episode, to 100,000 downloads a month, 200,000 downloads a month. And it just kept skyrocketing. And it was like so fast, but it was because I had figured it out. If you want to grow as a podcast, you have to be visible in the podcast apps. Then I figured out that people actually pay for this and there's advertising opportunities within the podcast apps. (laughs) Now this is common knowledge. It's called in-app media buying. But I was like one of the first people that was an independent podcaster, not an iHeartRadio or whatever that was privy to this. And I was actually like helping these apps develop their advertising because I got so good at it and was like the girl that was like getting sponsored by by all the podcast apps. And so now I'm like a media buying guru in the space and one of like the five people who do it the most and like, you know, broker all these deals for people. And so anyway, I grew my show that way. That's how the podcast blew up. At the same time, the guests that would come on my show, I had I had acquired this volunteer team. So I started launching an internship program. So I probably like this is two years into it. I probably had 20 volunteers at this time, maybe 25 volunteers. I had some paid people in the Philippines that was doing my video editing. I had I paid an audio guy. Everybody else was just like a free intern volunteer. I would teach people how to do stuff. We started getting more sophisticated, you know, how to Slack channel, all that. Yeah. So the guests that would come on my show, at the end of the show, they'd say to me, Hala, how'd you do this? How'd you grow on LinkedIn? How'd you grow such a big podcast? Can you do this for me? And I'd always just say like, no, no, I have a corporate job. Uh, this is just for fun. It's just a hobby. I have a volunteer team. Nobody gets paid. Like, I don't have a company. I'm sorry, I can't help you. And it wasn't until Heather Monahan, who's a very huge LinkedIn influencer, also a podcaster, was basically yeah. like hounding me. I tried to put her off. I was like, I'll train you how to do your own videos and stuff. And she was like, I was in a training session with her on the weekend one day. And she was like, Hala, I know you've been trying to teach me how to do these videos. I'm never going to be able to do it myself. And she's like, "You, ha- I have to be your first client. I just got off a call with VaynerMedia. Your stuff is better than theirs. I don't want to pay them. I want to pay you. Let me be your first client. You can't say no. 
So then I, Heather Monahan became my first client and she was like huge social proof. At the time I had like 60,000 followers. She had like 150,000 on LinkedIn. She was like huge already. Mm -hmm. And so she started touting me from the rooftops. Holla's doing amazing. Holla saved me 20 hours a week. And I started getting more inquiries for clients. My second client was a billionaire and his retainer was $30,000 a month, a month. <laughs> so all this, my whole life changed, right? All of a sudden we, we went from literally making nothing to $30,000 a month with one client. And so everything that I did for myself, I did for him. I did a great job with him. He became a top three. He's still a he, true underdog podcast, Jason Waller, top three entrepreneurship podcast, grew him from nothing. And then I got the next client, Kara Golden, the CEO of Hintwater, then CEO of One Hitter Got Junk, Britt Marina Britton Co. And all these huge CEOs, all these guests who come on my show ended up becoming my client. And now we're like a number one LinkedIn agency where we were voted best podcast agency of 2022. And so the social agency basically blew up. So six months after launching the agency, I quit my corporate job. I had 30 employees, like paid employees all around the world by the time I quit. And I had my first like couple US hires, like real hires. And I was like, all right, I should probably quit. I have like other US hires now. When I had international hires, it didn't feel like real yet. And then as soon as I had my first US hires, I was like, okay, other people are quitting their jobs before I am. I better quit my job. <laughs> and that was it. The rest is history. Now, you know, 60 employees strong. The podcast is doing amazing, keeps growing. And I launched a podcast network earlier this year. So now, so now I'm focused on uh, Yap Media Network. I'm growing and monetizing podcasts. Congratulations on that. That is like, Thanks. that is just so awesome. Uh, I love everything with it. Like the whole like shebang. And I, I love the creative side of it. Like, you know, how you were able just to, you know, as a sales guy, one of the things that we, you know, you want to look at is how can I build, bring value? And everything you shared was like, I connected with these apps and figured out how I can bring them value. And because of that, that led to us having, uh, you know, an opportunity or, or whatnot. And I think that's just a, that's a key. That's a powerful piece to it. So anyways, I love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you. Oh. I really enjoyed this conversation. And just yeah. to add to your point there about, you know, bringing value and, and how it will return to you. One of my biggest mentors in this space, and this might be interesting since you said a lot of your listeners are like, want to start a podcast or have a podcast is Jordan Harbinger. So He's my mentor. He was always my idol, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I'm so successful is because I made it a point to make sure that he would become my mentor. He came on my mm. podcast and I started just like featuring him in articles. I got on the cover of Podcast Magazine. I put him as the number one podcast I listened to or like, you know, got featured on Good Pods and put him in the playlist. And he asked me one time, he was like, Hala, I need you to do some ad copy for me. My producer is sick. I know you're a marketer. Can you do this for me? And I didn't ask for money. I didn't ask for anything in return. I was like, sure, I did it that second, you know, and tried to do the best job I could. And he used it. He was like, this is incredible. And then we started having more conversations. He started realizing how much like grit I had and believing in me more. And then he now he's in my Slack channel and one of our biggest advisors and has helped me grow everything like exponentially because he's been in this game for 12 to 14 years, I think 14 years. So he knows everything inside out. And now I have somebody I can just ask any podcasting question. And he's literally like the most knowledgeable guy because he's been around to yeah. see it all. So it's also important to find mentors and know how to get one. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. Young and Profiters, I'm about to be jet-setting all over the world. I'm going to London, Cancun, New Orleans, and New York to speak. I'm going to be up there with the bright lights and I want to be spiffy. I want to look fresh. 
And so I'm going on a big shopping spree. I got to get clothes. I got to get hair stuff, skincare stuff, makeup. But I'm not going to feel guilty about this shopping spree because Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Rakuten is the shopping platform for savvy savers. From May 6th to May 13th, they're having their biggest cashback event of the year. I'm talking about 15% cashback at hundreds of stores with additional cashback bonuses. And they've got so many stores participating in their big give week. So when it comes to clothes, I'm looking at Splendid and Good American. And when it comes to beauty, they've got so many good stores participating. They've got Ulta, Fenty, Bobby Brown, Blue Mercury, and all the products that we love. Now we can get cash back. It's like getting a discount on the stuff you're going to buy anyway. It's absolutely amazing. They even have travel brands. So that's going to be super convenient for me with all my upcoming trips. Expedia, Hotels.com. You can get deals on everything from electronics to home goods to travel and beauty. Young and profiters, you're going to want to grab this limited time deal with both hands. You get high cashback rates for only eight days. So hurry. Membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app at R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Young and profiters, as you may know, I launched my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass a little bit over a year ago. It was my first course. And so far, I've generated well over $500,000. And the best part is I didn't have to figure out how to set up my mastermind subscriptions, how to do abandoned cart targeting and all of that tech geeky stuff. I just left that all to Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And if you're in that I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell anything anywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to the other options out there. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, including huge global brands like Allbirds and Thrive Cosmetics. It took me a day to set up my Shopify store. I set up chat, took two minutes, and I was done. One month from thinking of the idea to implementation, a year later, I've made half a million dollars on the idea. That's what it takes in 2024, just a good idea. And then utilizing a platform like Shopify that can help you make it a reality. There is no excuse these days. If you've got a good business idea and you think you'll be a good entrepreneur, you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to be super techie. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. 
And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password and then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. I'm a big fan of Jordan as well. We had him on our show a while back, the sales evangelist, and we had a chat because I'm connected with him from, well, through my network didn't know him per se like you do on that level but it was just like what you said because his, his all of his things is really around like that idea right you know like how you can network and connect with people and just and be of value and this this whole mentor idea i just it's critical and i think so often i find people who like they'll utilize or young adults sometimes they want to get to the top right away and it's like you know look for ways that you can be of value and help other people and I think it yes. was it was Dale Carnegie, um, if you or whoever, and Zig Ziglar kind of said this. A bunch of people said it, but it's like if you want to get successful, basically help help everyone else to get successful, help other people, and if you do that as a natural byproduct, it's going to happen to you. And that's a perfect example. Oh my goodness, I love it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I want to respect your time, man. I'll, I would love to hear if you would have boiled down into like one major takeaway for folks who are listening to this episode to walk away with. What's that one major piece of advice? Okay. So my piece of advice for you would be to A, believe in yourself. Believe that there's endless possibilities in this life. Life is limitless. Your death is inevitable, right? So use that as motivation to fulfill your dreams. Don't wait, you know, until something really bad happens for you to have that realization. Realize that life is short and you should follow your dreams no matter how old you are, no matter what your resource situation is or financial situation, start to follow your dreams. You could do it in a risk-free way like I did. Start a side hustle. Use your time. You don't have money, use your time, right? So that's number one. Number two is if a gatekeeper tells you no, you're going to want to think about what they're actually saying no to and figure out how you can go about it in another way. There's so many different paths to success. I thought that the only way to be successful was to be a singer first in my life. Then I thought I could only be successful on the radio, then I could only be successful on TV, right? But no, you can be successful doing many different things. And really what I wanted to do was be a voice of positivity to my generation. I could have done that as a host, as a TV personality. I could do that as a podcast host. One day I might do it as a politician, right? Yeah. And so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the platform is. There's other avenues towards what you want. You need to really think about what your objective is and your priorities are and what you truly want and not get so fixated on like that specific thing that you wanted. Don't get so down about your failures, you know, figure out a way to get what you want that you have more agency and control over and just go for it, right? Do whatever you can to make those incremental gains to go for it. And yeah, so that those would be my main takeaways today. Oh, I love it. So, so good. If folks out there listening to this want to get in touch with Yala, how did they go about doing so? 
Well, first of all, I would love it if you guys took a listen to Young and Profiting Podcast for number one entrepreneurship podcast, number one education podcast. I've interviewed people like Matthew McConaughey, Deepak Chopra, Seth Godin, Ed Milet. We do great work, so much research. It's just as good as Donald's podcast. So I hope <laughs> you guys take a listen to it. You can find it on all the major podcast platforms. Again, that's Young and Profiting. I love it. And I highly recommend it, guys. We have a link down in the show notes. So please go and do so. And let's help you out. Allah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was so much fun.